I call it the magic of our marrow, the very depths of yourself into this thing, this travel and business lifestyle. So building trust and experiencing fulfillment and yeah, do it. Welcome to Location Indie Podcast, a behind-the-scenes, unfiltered, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle. From today, five new people to this podcast who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav, and it is Paradise Pack season, and that's why I'm so excited. If you're unfamiliar with the Paradise Pack, it is the world's biggest and best bundle sale of products to help you become location-independent even if you don't know where to start. And give you a little bit of background from 2014 to 2019, we were able to sell over 5,000 Paradise Packs. We were able to donate enough money to build three schools with Pencils of Promise and impact the lives of thousands of people who wanted to, like you, travel more and work less and kickstart that journey for them. And who knew after the 2019 Paradise Pack when we decided to put on hiatus, that a mere eight months later, the world would be thrown into a global pandemic, that the world would shut down. But out of that, one of the biggest positives is that people started to reimagine what work should look like. And then by turn, what their life and what their lifestyle should look like. And out of that came a lot of you saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to go to a job for eight to 10 to maybe 12 hours a day. I don't want to have vacation for two or three weeks a year. I don't want to work for a company for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and just wait for retirement. You got that taste of freedom and you wanted more. And that's why the Paradise Pack is back in 2022 in a world that's primed for remote work and location independence more than ever. And put this on your calendars, everyone. It's launching March 29th. It's only around for seven days, then it's gone forever. So it's launching March 29th. And today I have the good fortune of getting to introduce to you five amazing contributors to the 20. 22 Paradise Pack. And you can go to the website. You can check out the products they have. You can read their quote unquote formal bios. But what I want you to do today is hear their story. Because while now a lot of them have six and seven figure businesses, they're able to travel the world, do work they love from anywhere. Every single one of them were in your situation before. So whether you're someone who's still stuck in a job, you're longing to get out, but you just have no idea where to start, or maybe you've started a side hustle, or you've started to try to build a location-independent business, but it's not making you enough money yet, it's not financially stable, or you've started a business, you've become location-independent, but now you're saying, what's the next step to my growth? Each person here today has been in your shoes. They've experienced what you're experiencing, and I can guarantee that every single one of them was able to accomplish what they've accomplished with the help of others. And that's why each and every person here is willing to take an hour out of their busy schedules and come and tell their story today to help you realize that your dream of location-independent lifestyle is possible, and that you just have to keep taking the steps forward. So I'm going to introduce you to them right now. But before we get to their story, we're going to do a little lightning round here, guys. And I want to know, what is your favorite meal of all time. So I did not prep them for this question. I want your gut reaction. What is your favorite meal of all time? Go ahead. I'm going to Jeremy first. Jeremy, favorite meal of all time. Oh man, this is uh so you know my partner Kelly as well and uh we both we met through LI and uh in a roundabout way. Met worked together first for a couple of years before we started dating. Um she is travels entirely for food and probably has like her top 50 meals ever uh, in her mind. And I am completely oblivious and just eat whatever's in front of me. And I can appreciate it, but I almost have no, like, I cannot single out meals at all. I'm like, everything's great. Like just, just <laughs> what, whatever, all, all of it's good. And it like, doesn't stick in my memory. There is one, uh, I've had a few good ones in Medellin, Colombia. There were some great meals there. Um, one was at a place called, oh, now I can't even remember the names of them, but they were the, the two like top restaurants in the city. We went to both of them. The funny story about the second one, it, uh, we didn't actually know how much this meal cost, but uh, we went with a group of people who we all met at a conference. And over the course of the meal, it devolved into this huge argument uh, about like 
kind of po uh, politics to some extent. And at the end, everybody was just tense silence and they brought the check and perfect comedic timing. We looked down and we we're like, oh, $100 a meal. Oh, okay. That's great. And uh, right at this point, it was like, you could have not scripted the, the scene better of like right at the point where everything had like reached the, the bottom in terms of mood. Nobody wanted to talk to each other. And then it's like, check, please. So that is one that uh, maybe it, it was a fantastic meal. One of the courses was uh, having chocolate poured over your hands and licking it off. Uh, one of the most uh, original uh, kind of fancy, interesting meals I've ever had. But uh, that's the one that probably sticks in my mind. Maybe not the, the pure best food wise, but uh, memories, certainly. Okay. All right. Chocolate put over the hands. Okay. That, that's got to stick out. All right. Wanda, I'm going to Wanda Duncan, founder of Black Women Travel Community. Wanda, what's your favorite meal? I'm going to, I don't have that story, which is fine, <laughs> but um, I'm going to have to say anything with coconut milk. Ooh. Okay. Anything with coconut milk, I'm going to say. Final okay. answer. Final answer. Yeah. I don't know if any of us have a story of chocolate being poured over our hands, but if you know, it's like, not who, your favorite meal. Like, why would you have that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of going with the other side of like, why wouldn't you have that? Right. I mean, all right. Um, Kirsten, Kirsten Pontius, go ahead from Inter International Wellness Consultant. I'll give a little bit of a bio. You guys can check it out. Um, specializes in holistic well-being for expats, nomads and travelers. So if you listen to this. You're in the right place. Um, best meal, favorite meal. Okay. Well, I have to start by saying that I have licked a lot of chocolate off my fingers because I have two small kids and my purse and my pockets and my children are always covered with something sticky. So I don't know if that's the same kind of life experience as Jeremy, but I just wanted to, you know, add to that part of the conversation. Well, you're not um, paying a hundred dollars a meal. You're getting it. No, free. true, true. <laughs> Very true. In fact, yeah, I wish someone were paying me uh, for that kind of thing. Um, you know, I my mind instantly goes to foods that I can't have. I think every country I'm in, I think fondly upon a meal that is no longer accessible to me. Um, so my first thought is something from back home. I'm from northern Minnesota in the U.S. and a wild rice hot dish. You know, we're from the land of casseroles and, you know, creamy, thick dishes of food. So that's kind of like the first thing I think of. That's the first thing I have when I get home. It's got mushrooms and wild rice and chicken and cream. And it's just lovely and, you know, bland, Minnesota bland, but really good. Comfort food, comfort yes. food. That's another good question to ask me was like, what is the first food? We won't do it here because our lightning rounds are, are not, we're all like travelers. We look like curious. We all like to talk, right? Our lightning rounds are not exactly lightning all the time, um, but that's something for us to think about and for you guys at home to think about. Like, what's the first thing you eat when you return to, whether it be your home base or your hometown or what you know, whatever we call it, because a lot of us are bopping around. What's like that thing that you need to have where you're like, yep, I'm getting this. Like even before I get home, maybe from the airport, I'm stopping and getting this. So um, that's a fun question to ask at a at dinner party as well. Um, Isabel from founder of Bell Around the World. Uh, what's your favorite meal? Yeah, my go-to is always acai bowls, you know, the kind of smoothie bowls. And then you put lots of fruits and all kinds of goodness and it becomes really colorful. I just feel very happy looking at it and eating it eventually. Mm, I had one this morning. Both my son Ooh. and I had one before we got on this podcast. So Ooh, yeah, I'm I, jealous. Yeah, there was like a home one that you kind of made yourself. It was, it was mm -hmm. still good. Not as good as some of the ones you get from food trucks and cafes around the world, but okay. And last, but certainly not least, Jason Robinson. You guys might know him as J-Rob if you're a part of the LI community, author of the Beginners, Beginner Traveler's Guide to Going Nomad. All right, what do you got, Jay? Um, pretty easy one, actually. I was in Portugal for three months recently, and three friends came from three different countries to hang out in Portugal for four to eight days. So obviously, food is all about not only the taste, but the experience you're having. So this was like a, a conglomeration of both. But um, Stephanie, Leah, they're both in LI. Megan, also in LI, uh, came from Switzerland and Germany and uh, Belgium, I think, and Georgia. And we're like, hey, let's uh, hang out in Portugal. 
And Stephanie found this restaurant called uh, Taberna Sal Grosso, I believe, which hopefully they just fill up from this. But um, it was tapas and it was you had to like text message them in WhatsApp to get a spot. And they only had probably tables for 20 or 25 people and like two slime time spots per night. And it was super quaint. And the food was just absolutely amazing. The, the, the atmosphere was amazing. It was in this little basement. And after all my friends left and I was on my last day in Lisbon, I said, okay, like, what do you want to leave on? And I, and I got a reservation for myself in this little basement. I was like, Hey, do you mind if I have a table for one? Like this was my favorite meal in the entire, like three months that I was in Portugal and I'd love to leave on that note. And, uh, so yeah, I sat there and ate by myself and wrote in my journal. And then I, I, I told the, told the waiter to tell the chef how thankful I was for it. And he actually came out and talked to me for a minute. So it was like this all encompassing great meal and experience and all that different stuff. Yeah, it, it is like some of it's about the food. Uh, and of course, if the food's not great, you're not going to remember it, but it is so much more. It's being with friends. Maybe it's debating politics and having that moment of like, okay, cutting the tension of the knife, right? Whatever it is, it's this idea that we're around a table, whether it be by ourselves or with others, and you're having an experience. And I think that's what drives all of us and anyone who's listening to travel, right? Is that you don't exactly know what's going to happen. Right? It's different from your regular life. It's different from what you're used to. You're out there and something might happen and it's going to be such a vivid memory because it's not your normal day-to-day routine. And what I want to do, and, and I said this at the top, is I want to hear the stories of all five of you. Because for me, I know when I was starting out, from everything that kept me motivated, inspired, wasn't like oh, here's how to exactly go and start an email list, or here's how to build a funnel, right? And you need these three steps. It was, who are the people doing this? What did their life look like before? What does it look like now? And what were, and we say it's unfiltered, no holds barred conversation here, because also what were their struggles, right? It's not snap your fingers. Yep. I've got this great lifestyle and here we go. Everything's great. We're not going to tell you snap your fingers by the paradise pack. And all of a sudden your lifestyle is great. Right, we're going to say this is a kickstart to building a lifestyle that you want, but it's going to take time. It's going to take effort, and hopefully, this shrinks that timeline a bit, right? And and saves you some heartache and tears and money and time and all that. But every one of you went through a journey to get to where you're at now, so I want to hear that journey. And uh, I'll start with you, Jeremy. Um, what did the journey? To location independence look like for you? What what were you doing before and kind of how did that progress into where you are now? Yeah. So I uh, ended up, I didn't go after high school. I took a couple of years off and uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. And I feel like, well, probably some things have changed about my personality and some things have kind of stayed the same where I, I always just needed that certainty where I was like, ah, I am clearly like a multi-potentialite interested in a ton of stuff and never had any clarity around, you know, there was no, no job career path that I'd heard of that. I was like, Oh, this is, this is the thing that I'm going to be excited to do forever. And probably like almost everybody listening here right now. And maybe you've, you've uh, pushed back on that and gone into some career and then realized like at some point in like, yeah, this isn't really clicking. I don't want to do this forever. I, on the other hand, just had that from the start and never ended up committing to anything. So I think I was 20, uh, how old was I? I took like three or four years off before I ended up um, going to school. And so I had, um, I'd always been into music and I played in bands and realized that you could be a sound engineer was a viable career path. And somehow, I don't know how I got on clearly some mailing list. And I actually got like a flyer in the, the physical mail for this uh, recording school in Vancouver. I lived in the middle of Canada at the time. And I was like, oh, this is this is a real job. Like people can do this. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like it's I didn't have any uh, illusions that I was going to make it as a musician. Um, and so I was like, oh, this is a, a safer career route to, to do this. So uh, I moved to Vancouver and took this this one year program in uh, music production and sound engineering and got to the end of that and interned at a studio for a while and realized, that, OK, it's, it's actually not much easier to make it or it's probably just as hard to make it as a sound engineer as a musician. So I was like, OK, well, this um, okay, probably I'm not actually going to stick with this. The the people who were like moving up ahead of me at the studio I was interning at, they were there at like 8 a.m. till 4 a.m. seven days a week, 
literally. And people were living in their cars and like I needed to have a job and like support myself. And Vancouver is one of the most ex expensive cities in the world. So I was like, okay, well, I can't do that. So I'm not going to move up here. I don't know that I really love this this much to do this. So I ended up just kind of quitting that and saying like, okay, well, I just need to make money somehow. And so I started landscaping and doing kind of manual labor jobs and uh, did that for a couple of years. And at some point, a friend of mine, we'd talked about traveling for years, but had never done it together. And I got an email from him one day and he said, okay, before you read anymore, just like, hear me out. This is not crazy. I'm serious about this, but I thought of a way that we can see all these countries that we wanted to see and even more bike trip. And immediately I was like, yes, this, this is the thing. This is, this is the trip. And so we ended up, we saved up for a couple of years and uh, we ended up doing a four month trip uh, by bicycle through Europe. So we did Iceland and then we flew to Norway and then we cycled to Croatia. And then um, I ended up going to Southeast Asia with my uh, girlfriend at the time for another six months or something like that after that. So it had this full kind of year of travel experience and getting back from that, I was like, okay, how, how can I do more of that? And uh, I was really into photography at the time. So I was thinking some kind of travel photography, something around that. I didn't really know online business existed at all. I'd never heard of location independence, never heard of online business, met a few people on that year long trip who like owned factories and stuff like that and traveled the world because they made physical products and had that type of business. And I was, all, you know, that was never a serious thing that I was going to do. And so when I got back, I got another landscaping job and happened to be able to listen to, you know, music or, or whatever at, at work. And so I, I went the first couple of days and I listened to audiobooks, which I'd used to do, but then thought, oh, I've, I've heard about these, these podcast things before, and I, I should check that out and see, and see what's there. And so on like day three of this new job, I went home and looked up, uh, I guess iTunes at the time it was, and I didn't even know what to search. And so this was the first time ever like going to the podcast tab. And I was like, creative business, something like that. Cause I always identified as a creative, but I, and I was like a business, okay, creative, maybe there's something around that photography. And of course, immediately there's like dozens and dozens of shows related to creative business, online business, all of these different shows. And I was just like, wow. Oh, there's this, there's this whole world here that I had never and never knew existed. And so for the next year, basically, I ended up listening to like all day, every day at work at, you know, one and a half or two times speed. So I, I think I, I was listening to like 50 to 60 hours of podcasts a week, all on online business. And so basically like taught myself everything I needed to know about starting a business uh, during that, that year and was, you know, experimenting with things first with the photography blog and really kind of building that up and then thinking about some other ideas. And eventually about six months in, uh, I had had this kind of brainwave where I realized like here, I was looking to build an audience and do the course route and, you know, the blog and email list and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of like, well, this probably at the rate this is going, this will take me like two to three years to probably build up an audience large enough to really have a self-sustaining business, which in hindsight, I think is probably actually pretty accurate uh, given everything that I would have needed to learn and, and all of that, um, not knowing anything about marketing at the time. And I was like, actually, okay, the thing that I, I actually care about is traveling. I don't care about, you know, building the audience and having that type of business. I just want to be traveling. And something clicked. I was actually listening to, uh, to Jason's podcast, Zero to Travel, and he mentioned his podcast editor. And I was like, huh, podcast editing. I guess I could do that. And I had a, some, some kind of um, hangups, let's say, maybe some like potential shame around what would my audio engineering friends say if they heard I was like editing podcasts instead of like working, doing real work in a studio or on, you know, film uh, or anything like that. And I kind of like realized like, but I don't actually care about that. And almost none of them are actually working in audio in the first place. So if this is the shortest path to get me to travel, let's, let's go for that. And so I ended up setting a, up a profile on Upwork. And I think within three days, I had my first client. And within six months, I was equaling my uh, day job income, which wasn't a ton being a landscaper. But I think I had, uh, I'd, I'd been doing the, the points, um, miles hacking and everything for a few years, which is a lot harder in Canada than the States. But I had, I think I, I had certainly enough for like a round trip ticket to and from Europe. And I also had been hearing about this house sitting, trusted house sitters for a while for, for a few years, but that had never been something that I could actually do because I had a, a full-time job. But all of a sudden I started thinking like, okay, I'm making as much as my day job and I can get a free flight and free housing. Like the risk is pretty low. I have enough saved up that I could do a three month trip. I can book that. And if 
I lose all my clients on day one, I could still have that three months and come back home and get another job landscaping. It's not mm-hmm. like that's hard to come by. So ended up, you know, booking all of that. Um, it was about a year since I started, like discovered podcasting and online business. Uh, it took about a year, uh, six months after I started doing the service-based podcast editing business and, uh, and was off on a, a flight to Europe and uh, never looked back really at, after that. How many, it's been a while now. I'm going to guess five years. Am I right? So Kelly just, her, her six year anniversary was like last week or two weeks ago. And my six year anniversary will be in, in September. So at around five and a half years right now. Awesome. And, and I think there's a lot to take away from that guys. And I'm not going to pull through every little nugget that each person says, cause we'd be pulling out nuggets forever. Um, but one of the big things as Jeremy mentioned is like, if you're ready to do it and you've made a plan, go ahead and do it. You know, he had a little bit of a fallback. I can go back to landscaping. I have three months saved up. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And one of the neat things that you also mentioned, Jeremy, about house sitting and using points. And if you guys are listening, you're like, what is all that? Well, guess what? That's what we do inside the Paradise Pack. There's a house sitting course. There's going to be stuff about how to use points. Like the, the beauty of the bundle is that you don't have to go figure it all out yourself. You're going to be given different products, say like, oh, I'm going to cherry pick. I need to know this now. Boop, here we go. I need to know this now instead of trying to figure it out and listen to 50, 60 hours of podcasts a week for three hours on it or for three years on end. Um, yeah, I, I should mention too, Jeremy's product inside the Paradise Pack is the Blueprint blueprint for podcast growth. So if you have a podcast or you want to start one, that's going to walk you through since he's been editing and running his uh, counterweight creative um, company for five and a half years now, that's going to walk you through the best strategies to grow a podcast. Um, All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Wanda, I want to hear a little bit about your story and how you came to this location independent lifestyle. Um, So I think we'd go back to 2010. Um, I worked at CNN for about five years and in 2010, I quit (laughs) and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm not going to. And I was looking around for ways to make that happen. I didn't do a whole lot of research, not like a whole, whole lot of research, um, just a little bit. So I was looking around. um, It was idealist, uh, idealist idealist.org. They have like different volunteer or paid work positions with nonprofit organizations. And there was one in El Salvador. So I took that and left Atlanta, uh, where the headquarters is for CNN, and failed miserably. (laughs) So I was there for about six months. Um, I tried to go to Jamaica for about three months after that. And, you know, you just do all the super rookie things. Like I had a storage unit. Um, you know, packed too much and like just was not extremely prepared. I had a condo that I hadn't rented out, eating away at my savings. So after I ended up back in Atlanta after that nine months total, I was just like, I'm flighty. I need to just sit down. You know, all these people seem to be able to like do this whole have a job thing and stay in one place thing. I I should be able to do that. Like I hadn't been doing that my entire life. Um, But at the time, that's what I told myself. So I tried to sit there and worked on some different projects that I was interested in. A lot of it was music based in Atlanta. And then I said, I I'm done for real. Like Atlanta girl, you're cute. I can't stay with you anymore. This relationship isn't working for both of us. So I started studying. And I was the happiest person you ever saw at work because I knew I wasn't staying and I didn't I didn't have to play those politics and whatever that looked like. I was extremely excited about this life that I was preparing myself for. So I did the same thing Jeremy did. Uh, trusted house sitters. I was like, accommodation is going to be your highest expense, no matter what you're doing. Let me sign up for that. Let me try and get some house hits before I leave. I had an exit date and I just saved I saved aggressively and I did the points and miles thing as well. Uh, And I left. So that was 2016. So it's been six years now. I just celebrated six years myself. But yeah, I left and just gave myself some time to experiment with some stuff uh, because I had the housing thing kind of figured out and I had my savings. I'm really good at budgeting. I was just toying around with what I was interested in. I was doing some graphic design. I was doing some writing, uh, website development through WordPress, like just whatever. And 
just kind of stumbled into the work that I do now. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that uh, Jason, who's here, Jason Robinson will love, and I, I've stole this from him, so I'm giving you credit and you're here to hear it too, is, is when you treat life as an experiment, right? It, it, open, it takes a lot of pressure off. It takes a lot of weight off your shoulders. Sure, you need to make money and there's financial stress and there will always be stress with what you're doing, but why add the burden of having to get the right answer right away? you're not going to like, let's all, all of you will be honest. Like you're not going to get the right answer. Each one of you. And we haven't heard from the other three yet, but I'm sure somewhere in the story, you tried something and it wasn't the answer for you. And then you went and did something else. So if you say, Hey, I'm just going to treat life as an experiment. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Something's going to resonate with me. Something's going to work. And when I figure that out, I'll double down on it. But that doesn't mean you have to get the right answer right out of the gate. And that's usually where we see people getting paralyzed from even starting is that they think they have to pick the right path right away. And it's not going to happen. If you think that's the case, you're never going to do anything because we can guarantee all five of us or all six of us here, I'm sure will say you won't pick the right path right out of the gate, right? You need time to figure it out. And one thing I love that you talked about there, Wanda, is if you are still in a job and you are saying, I, I need some time to make it work, Wanda said, hey, she picked an exit date, which is exactly what we teach. Don't leave your job right away if you don't have to. Pick an exit date. And then you've got the light at the end of the tunnel. And I guarantee that will make work a lot more enjoyable when you have that light at the end of the tunnel, because now you're just not marching forward for 25 years. You're like, all right, I got a year. I got two years, whatever. I can handle this and I'm saving up or preparing for something better. Um, so thank you, Wanda, for, for sharing that. Um, Kirsten, I want to go down to you. And uh, I, I, he I heard a little bit of your story from Jason, but um, you have two kids in tow. And so this adds another element to this location independent lifestyle. So walk us through what your journey was like and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, two kids in tow. And, uh, you know, I bring a little bit something different to the Paradise Pack in that I am a location independent business. Um, but I teach uh, how to be healthy and well while you are living this lifestyle. Um, so, you know, I have the privilege of, of, you know, riding a little bit on my husband's work, which I followed 13 years ago before I had this business. So I've been building it from abroad um, as we've gone. But, you know, I grew up uh, with a mother that had a chronic illness and, uh, managed it beautifully and and just showed in her day-to-day -day life how health and well-being and just giving yourself care and love can can help you live to your fullest. And meanwhile, her brother, my uncle, was living in Japan. He was running a Mexican restaurant and living this kind of international life that in the 80s and 90s was not as, you know, accepted or normal as, as it is now. And I also saw this example of adventure and, um, you know, figuring things out. He just went to Japan, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a plan when he went, when I was a kid. And, and when I moved overseas 13 years ago, these two really huge kind of memories and, and elements were that were so much part of who I was really came together and recognizing that, I loved to travel and adventure and and explore different cultures, but I also recognized that you know being healthy along the way was an important aspect to enjoying it. Um, you know, I couldn't wake up hungover every day. I couldn't um, you know forget about my my mental health. I mean, I was having issues early in my travels before I went to study nutrition and and coaching. Um, issues around identity, um, relationships and finding connections every time we would move, um, you know, emotional eating, like all, all kinds of things that were really having a negative impact on my experiences. Um, and so it just led me to really study and dive into health. And so the, the product that I provide in the pack is actually to help uh, the pe people as they grow their business and as they travel to continue to give themselves this, the sort of love and attention that they that they need and deserve to really thrive because it's very easy to 
to kind of put those things aside when you're really focused on something else or you have the stressors of, you know, where's money coming from or building a business. And so I work um, one-to-one. I do inter- um, organizational coaching. I work with uh, travelers, nomads, expats around the world to keep this part of their life vibrant and alive so that they can enjoy what they do. I'm going to just ask for a show of hands. You guys on the audio won't be able to hear, but I'll, I'll give you the what people say. How many of you, when you're traveling, find yourself falling into kind of healthy habits at times? Please don't make it just be me. Am I the only hand? All right, Isabel. All right, you saved me. All right, and Kirsten, Jeremy and Jeremy and Jason say kind of, and Wanda's like, no, nope, I'm good. Um, yeah, I, I find that that's a really, really hard thing to do. Like when you're traveling or living abroad and everything's new, right? It's hard to take time for yourself and say, I've got to get grounded. Like I got to keep doing the things that I would do at home that would make me comfortable eating, right? Exercising, whatever meditation, everyone has their own things that, that when they do, they feel at their best. And it's very easy to kind of shove that under the rug when you start to travel or when you're living abroad, because you're like, well, now I've got a thousand other things happening. What's the first to go? Okay, I'm not going to you know, prioritize my health. And you might find yourself three months down the road being like, okay, this is not how I want to be. So, all right. Thank you, Isabel, for at least, at least giving me, I, I mean, that's very, very hard for me and always has been. So a health coach in your pocket, what um, Kirsten has in the back when I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, cannot wait to get in there and dive into that for sure. Um, Isabel, talk us through your journey towards location independence and what that's, what's that look like for you? Yeah, for me, I don't think I, I think I fell into this pretty naturally. It happened when um, I did my semester abroad when I was 21, still in school for six months. I was a very excited little girl flying from Asia all the way to Europe. And I guess I kind of fell into travel with that trip. And because I have been blogging since 2006, so starting a travel blog for me was kind of natural. I wanted to document my travels, my pictures, everything. And so from there, reality set in, right? Like I had to go back to school. I had to finish school. I had to, I had to um, supposedly find a full-time job. And that is when the end of, that is the end of my freedom. And so I thought long and hard about it. But because as someone who is freshly out of school, it's not like I have a ton of work experience or networking, so, so I did the full-time job route and I gave, I gave plenty of chances to like working in a corporate lifestyle, but it just still didn't suit me. And so like with the travel blog, I was still doing it on the side. And then there was an opportunity for me to finally be recognized with the my travel brand, and I was invited to a press trip to New Zealand. I mean, who would decline such a valuable opportunity? And so that was kind of the first turning point for me to um, quit my job and and grab hold of this opportunity that led to a working holiday in New Zealand. And then at the end of that six months in New Zealand, I was sort of at, at a crossroads again should I go back to Singapore where I'm from to find a full-time job or um, try and make this blogging thing work? So back then it was 2018. It wasn't like blogging wasn't a big thing. Location independence, at least in my world, wasn't a thing at all. Unless you um, are like advanced in your corporate life, you probably would never be considered for a remote work situation. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, like you mentioned, I gave myself this three-month experiment where I went to Japan for, and I gave myself this three months to make this whole blogging thing work. And so, yeah, it did work. Like my goal was to at least be earning the same income that I would in a job back in Singapore. And yeah, it worked. And with, yeah, and so since then, I have just been stuck with, like, I mean, this is such a rewarding lifestyle and with all the freedom, with all the, you know, everything that all the perks that being a location independent nomad is. So I stuck with it and really grew the digital marketing skills from there. 
And so I have been traveling full time since then, both working as a travel blogger with travel companies and also on my own. And a couple a year ago or a year and a half ago, I started pivoting towards educating people on more of these digital marketing skills like content marketing and SEO. And so that is the point where I'm at right now. Mm. Awesome. Use a really important word there uh, of crossroads. And I think we've heard crossroads in everyone's story so far, right? Where you get to a point, Wanda said like her point was like, I'm leaving. And then she left. Then she's like, wait, I got to come back. And then she's like, all right, this time I'm going to like plan my crossroad so that when I hit it, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving with a plan. Right. Um, and Jeremy talked about multiple crossroads of like, Hey, we, you do this, you come back and and um, I think a lot of times for people, and if you're listening, you feel this way, just hear, again, hear these stories. You might try something and you say like, this is my big opportunity and you go for it. And then you're like, hmm, that didn't work out how I planned. I must be a failure. Like, it's just not for me. I can't do it. You know, and you start telling yourselves and we all do it, right? All the limiting beliefs about ourselves. Well, Jason can do it because of this and Jeremy can do it because of this and Kirsten can do it because of this and Wanda can do it because of this and Isabel can do it. And, you know, you start comparing yourself to other people who have done it and you say, this is why I can't. But every single person here had a point where they could have said the same thing. Hey, they can do it and I can't. And they could have went back. And sometimes in, in the case that you heard, they did go back to other jobs, but always with that with that new mindset of, huh, I got a taste. It might not have worked how I wanted it, but I got a taste. And now I'm sitting here saying, I'm going to figure out how I can make it happen. And sometimes it just comes down to persistence. Like we said, we're not, you're not going to get it right the, the first time. But if you stop after the first time, we can guarantee that you'll never get it right. And that's where everyone else has pushed through that you're hearing these stories today. Of, I was at a crossroads. I had to make a decision. I made a decision, even if it meant going back to what I was doing before, even if it meant going back to a full-time job or going back to Atlanta, right? Or going back to landscaping. Even if it meant that, I at least now realized that I had tried the other thing and knew I wanted it. And sometimes it just comes down to saying, I want what's on the other side more than my fear of going after it. And a lot, and you won't know if you want it until you give it a go. Um, the other thing that Isabel was talking about is, is, there's never a bad time to do it. And Jason, I want to hop to you because your whole book's around this idea of, hey, it's a beginner's guide, right? To going nomad. And I could have easily said, hey, I'm 40 years old. Like, this isn't for me. This is for the young kids, right? This is for the people right out of college who, who don't have as many responsibilities and can just go and, you know, and do this and go to Thailand and live off a thousand dollars a month and what have you. But you were saying, doesn't matter that I'm 40. Like I'm going to write this book and I'm going to go do it no matter what stage of life I'm in. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll try and condense this down. Obviously, you and I just spoke about a year ago. So my whole story is out there on your podcast. Um, if anybody wants to look that up, but essentially I was born into a working class family. Um, my dad was, you know, working in a, a tire factory and going to work 50, 60 hours a week. Mom was staying home, raising the kids. Um, I was told you're going to college. I didn't realize that I was only the second person to get a four-year degree in my entire lineage by the time I got done with it. So uh, to me back then, it was just like, okay, that's what everybody does. Um, so obviously I've learned since then that that's not the case. Uh, but it wasn't until I was like 23 in college and my dad had been living in North Carolina, I, I grew up in Ohio, that I realized that I could actually move away from my hometown. Like there was this epiphany of like, wait, you can, you're allowed to leave. Um, which might sound weird to some people, but I think people with my background, you just assume that you're going to hang around your family and friends for your whole life. And you're going to, you're going to stay kind of within that bubble that you didn't know was a bubble at that time. Um, got to North Carolina, got into some small graphic design studios, kind of corporate America, the more white collar. And, uh, you know, I, I started to have friends that were traveling and my brain hadn't opened up to those things. So there were all these seeds planted at that point about, you know, one of my friends actually came into work one day and he's like, Hey, we're, we're going to sell everything. And we're going to go travel Eurasia for as long as our money takes us. And we're just like, what, what are you doing? This is crazy. Um, they had a tag sale at their house. They literally put tags on everything and just invited all our friends and family over. And they, they made like $18,000. And then they traveled Eurasia for like eight months, the two of them on that. And, and he started blogging about it. And I started to see these opportunities and how much fun they were having and just how their, their minds and their hearts were opening up. And I was just like, okay, there's, there's something there. 
Um, so, you know, pushing into my thirties, I, I still hadn't really traveled much and, you know, long story short around 35 years old, um, I had had a dog since I was 21 who had seizures and aggression issues. So I couldn't really travel easily and leave him alone with people. And he passed away around that time. And I said, all right, you know, this is, I'm either going to keep talking about wanting to do this. And, and the reason I wanted to travel was to open up my heart and my mind, because I think, you know, I think we all know on, in this call, the more you open yourself to people around the world and ideas around the world, and you realize that you don't have all the answers, that's what makes you a, a better human being in general. And I knew that if I didn't do those things, I was going to slowly kind of deteriorate and get old and bitter. Like I just had this idea that my, my brain and my heart were going to close down instead of opening up. So I needed to actively um, do things to, to address that, um, which meant learning how to travel. So around 35 years old, um, actually around 35, 36, I, I was introduced to um, my friend told me, he's like, Hey, you got to listen to these two podcasts, like uh, location indie and uh, zero to travel. He literally um, the, the three podcasts, I think he was like, you need to listen to these, you know, this is about what you've been thinking about for a long time. So I started listening to the podcast back then. And I just started systematically, you know, doing, doing things to push my comfort zone, like very systematically, I'm super analytical. So um, you know, 2017, uh, I, I said, all right, you're not going to sleep in your bed for uh, a quarter of the year, like figure it out. Like you're either going to be in another city or you're going to be staying at a friend's house or you're going to be, you know, you know, somewhere domestic because I hadn't traveled internationally at that point. And I was like, figure it out, see if that works for you. And that year I did that. And then the next year I was like, well, you can't do the same thing because that's just like stagnation. And I was like, what are you going to do now? I was like, okay, well, a third of the year, I'm not going to sleep in my own bed. So as I was doing that, I was getting more comfortable with solo travel. Um, nobody was helping me along at this point. Uh, you know, the things I was learning uh, were helping, but, you know, I was, I was expanding a little bit. But it wasn't until my 40th birthday that I saw my third country outside the US. Um, so I had been to London when I was like 25. I'd been to Canada a couple times. Um, and you know, I was 40 years old and I bought a one-way ticket to Mexico for three weeks. Cause I was like, okay, if you, if you think you want this digital nomad lifestyle, you might actually wanna give it a try for a week or two. Um, you know, we talked in the past about the van that I bought. I bought a van for like, you know, six or seven months and I went and, and, and stayed in a national park at one point to try this experiment. Um, so, so essentially I said, all right, well, buy a ticket to Mexico and go as long as you're comfortable and kind of feel that and, and see what happens, see what you learn. And I realized after that trip, I was like, okay, this, this is viable. Like I liked the van that I sold the van, but you know, I, I know that that might be in my future. Uh, this digital nomad lifestyle of, of traveling out of a backpack or, or being able to move, this is viable. And I just, you know, there was a point where I actually, I was talking to my mom and my, my old website used to be called the digital nomad. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like I have a website called the digital nomad and I don't even know what that is. This seems silly. Like I can't represent something that I don't know of. I said, this is more like an experiment. It's like a nomad experiment. And my, and all these bells went off in my head and I was like, that's exactly what this is. And, um, you talked about it earlier, just that, that switch of realizing that we can try all of these little things. It helps us internally to validate what we're doing because we're often going against the grain and it also helps us talk to our family and our friends and it helps ease them as to what we're doing and, and you know you can look at them and say yeah i'm just gonna buy a van for a few months and i might sell it give it a try i'm gonna go to this place and do this thing for a couple weeks i'm just gonna give it a try and then they're like okay he's he hasn't lost his mind completely he's you know he's fine he's just doing this little experiment um but you know long story short i finally got to the point after that, that second year of, you know, not sleeping in my bed for a quarter of the year, that my home was now stressing me out more than travel was. And at the beginning, travel was very stressful because I didn't know how to do it. And as I was going home, I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want this anchor. I don't want this um, place. I want to be out experiencing. And that was when I decided to sell everything. And, um, you know, it was two and a half years ago and, you know, just before the pandemic, uh, of course. And uh, so since then, you know, just gotten comfortable with the options. And so, you know, wrote this book as kind of a, a playbook that this very analytical brain of mine said, wait a second, over the course of these five years, I've done these things that are emotional, physical, financial, um, you know, these five or six different areas of our lives that we actually have to pay attention to when we're doing some big changes. 
so that's how this book works is it, it helps somebody who's never traveled or you know or has is finally decided to stop dragging their feet to overcome the hurdles of travel and you know maybe solo travel or just learning by yourself and then oh by the way if you extend these things a little bit further you can take this to a whole nomadic lifestyle or location independent lifestyle because they really are just extensions of the toolbox of travel mm, the toolbox of travel that's a great term i don't know if that's in the book anywhere if it's not <laughs> second edition toolbox yeah. <laughs> of travel and, and that's exactly what we're trying to do inside the paradise pack is give you the toolbox that you need in order to become location independent right you're not going to need all the tools at once right and in fact we tell you like don't try to do all the tools at once because you'll be spinning your wheels but grab the grab this tool when you need it and grab isabel's tool when you need it and when you want to start a podcast go to jeremy's tool right when you when you want to build a community grab wanda's tool and when you're like okay i'm traveling i don't feel that good all right you know grab kirsten's tool right it's like you have these tools at your disposal and it's saving you time because you're not going to have to go find all those tools and spend all that time looking for them you could say oh i know where to go this is a trusted source I want to see by a show of hands again I'll, for for the audio. I'll tell you who puts their hand up and who doesn't. So just FYI, how many of you have been told by people in your regular life when you said you want to do some of this stuff, be location independent, go on this trip, whatever? Like, hey, uh, that's a little crazy. Like, how many of you have gotten the like, you're a little crazy thing from friends and family? All right, Isabel's got two hands up. Kirsten has a hand up. Jeremy and Wanda have really supportive communities that will just be like, you guys are great. You're not crazy. Um, I mean, when I started out, it was. I, I didn't know a location independence was a term. I didn't know digital nomad was a term. We're talking about 2008. It was just like, you don't want a regular job? And I'm like, no, I don't. And people are like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't really know. But I know that I'm not going to sit in four walls for 30 years. Like that's That will drive me crazy. So if you think I'm crazy now, just imagine what I'm going to be like in 30 years if you make me do that. And so you know, if you're, if you feel that way, if you've been listening, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm my rate, my people, my regular life, maybe they they're supportive in a way, but they don't understand what I want to do. You really, and Jason talked about this. You really have to change your community. That doesn't mean not talking to your family. It doesn't mean not talking to your friends, but do some of the things that Jeremy talked about and that Jason were talking about, like changing your perception by changing your community and the people you're around. Sometimes that's digitally, right? Sometimes that's listening to the right podcast. That's listening to right audio books, you know, that's being in the right Facebook groups and the and the right communities, because that I, I've yet to see people and talking to tens of thousands of people who have be able who have been able to become location independent. I've yet to hear one person say, I did it all on my own. I've never heard it. They've either found podcasts of people they like. They've either been around people. They've either joined groups where people have pushed them to do it. They found partners like Jeremy's friend is like <laughs> starting the email. You're, you're going to think this is crazy, but hear me out. Let's go on a bike trip, right? It's like now two people are doing, right? And so you want to make sure as you're trying to go after this lifestyle, as you're trying to change your perception, start changing the people you're listening to, start changing the community you're around. And that's why we wanted to record this podcast. So you heard these stories from other people, because this isn't a one size fits all type thing. It's not like, Okay, everyone has to follow Jason's story. Don't start till you're 40. Or everyone has to follow Jeremy's story. Or you have to be like Wanda, who who went and went to Jamaica and was like, "This isn't working." You have to be like Isabel. You have to start when you're right out of college. You, you only got a three year gap after college, and if you don't do it, you're stuck. Or hey, you got to do it with two kids like Kirsten did. I can attest that that makes it harder. Just FYI, um, you know, like this isn't a one size fits all thing. This is where are you right now? Where do you want to be? And find the people who you can relate to, who can teach you, who can mentor you, whose courses you can take, whose podcasts you can listen to, whose books you can read that have done the things that you have wanted to do and just soak that up like a sponge and make that your new reality. Because if you start making that your new reality, and if you put the motivation behind it, you're going to get there. None of us on this call, all six of us can't tell you how. We're not going to say, oh yeah, this is your exact path, but we're going to say, you can do it. All six of us have done it, right? And gotten to where we want to be. But we didn't know what it looked like when we started. We just know, hey, if I don't want to be stuck where I am now, I have to get started. All right, I'm going to do a quick lightning round. Yeah, Jay, go ahead. And, you know, you said we've gotten to where we want to be. I want to clarify that statement. And, you know, some of us, I, 
I would say that many of us don't know that we know where we want to be yet, mm. but we're willing to uncover the the decision points and the points in the road to say, I'm going to try these things and at least rule out these things that I definitely don't want in my life instead of just staying in that status quo and letting that ride for five or 10 years and seeing the same decision points over and over and staying within that box. Like it's, it's a, it's a matter of being willing to push yourself to discover all those things because I definitely, I don't, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of people, once you finally get that, that um, childhood look at life again, that I think we all start, we, we lose, you know, once we start to get into the corporate America mindset or that paying the bills and keeping up with the Joneses mindset, we, we lose that, that sense of adventure and, and opportunity. Um, once you uncover that again, now you're just, you're just willing to keep trying to figure it out and, and changing. And, you know, mm. I don't know where, I don't know where I want to be, but I know that I'm going to keep working to, to, to get there. So. Yeah. Wanda. I would add that maybe it's not necessarily where you want to be, I think it's how we want to feel. I think that if you're able to recognize what it is that you're looking for inside of you, then you're better able to have that experience of yourself outside of you. I think largely the decisions that we've made specifically to be location independent is to feel, to fill an emotional need that we have for an experience that we would like. And how it relates to business is also pulling something from outside of us, right? That we're able to do both at the same time, which can be kind of tricky, but fulfilling in a sense, because it's the experience that we're choosing. And so you get that feeling of, of having accomplishments along the way. Although I don't think generally we do that great of a job of celebrating ourselves as we are continuing to make these things happen. But I think largely overall, like it's mostly about us experiencing a feeling, doing things that we think will give us this feeling, seeing if it actually gives us this feeling and being able to expand on that as you go, because it never ends, right? It's not like, oh yeah, I got to so many countries, like I can stop now. Although some people do, but whatever, but yeah. Totally. I need to have you guys on the podcast the whole time because when I said that phrase, I was like, this is not what I mean to say. And now I got called out by both of you. And I agree. It's, it is a continuous journey. You know where you don't want to be and you've gotten away from that. And then you continue on the journey to what feels right, what makes sense in that season of your life. And the beauty of it is like when that season changes... And I can tell you, you know, as a as a dad now of two kids, like, all right, what I want and what I need and how I want to feel is different than how I was when I was 25. But guess what? I get to make the decision about how my lifestyle is, not someone who's bought some boss or some company saying, well, okay, you're still in this job. Like everything's the same. It's like, no, it's not. As we change and as what we want changes, we get to call the shots. And that's the important part is that you get to go and have these different phases of life, but you're the one making sure that you're saying, this is where I want to, this is where I am. And this is where I want to be. And this is how I'm going to get there. And when I get there, I want something else. I want to feel a different way and keep that, keep that progression going. Um, all right. I'm going to do, I, I just want a lightning round. And I'll keep you guys to one minute. So I'll start the timer because I know we all like to talk. And this is such an important topic that we're getting into of like what you should do in the beginning for a lot of people listening. I know you haven't even started your location independent journey. It's just living up here in your mind, right? And that's okay. So what I want you guys to do is I'll transport your back, yourself back to however many years ago it was for you where it was just living up in your mind. You had this idea. Maybe family and friends were calling you crazy. Maybe you didn't even know the term location independent or digital nomad, but you just knew that you didn't want the life that you were in and you wanted one that had more freedom, that allowed you to travel, that allowed you to see the world as you wanted to see it. What is one piece of advice you would give to that person sitting in that spot? I'm keeping you a minute. Jeremy, go ahead. Um. I mean, I would just say do something and because I think that kind of we've talked about this idea of, of experimenting and everything and kind of to both what Jason and Wanda were saying about like, I was very clear from the start when I made the decision and I wish I'd made this decision earlier that this was not the thing I wanted to do forever. This was a bridge, which turned out to be a bridge to the next thing, which turned out to be a bridge to the next thing. And now I finally feel like a multiple bridge projects in I'm like, 
okay, I actually think I'm at the seed of the thing that feels like a really big thing that I would actually be excited to spend the rest of my life doing that. This is like the thing that only I can do, which is mm -hmm. more around my like writing and newsletter where, but I, so when I got into podcast editing, I was like, okay, I don't care about podcast editing. I care about traveling. Then I was like, okay, now that I've got this agency and then I have built a course business around that related to podcasting that I'm still kind of like, I don't really care about podcasting, but I love running the business and I love teaching people about podcast marketing. But really I want to write about all this like creative kind of stuff mm -hmm. and how that intersects with like, how do we make decisions as people when we don't know what the next step is? Like we have no clarity. How do we do that? That's a fun thing that I'm like, I could talk about that for the rest of my life. Awesome. All right. Kept you to a minute. Nice. The hardest part is going to be for me to cut you guys off. Build bridges, right? Build bridges to what your maybe ideal lifestyle looks like. And it doesn't have to be the thing that you get to right away. Um, Isabel, what would you tell yourself three, four, five years ago when you were starting out? I would say to not be too hard on yourself. Like so many people are afraid of doing something different just because of the uncertainty, the unpredictability and the fear of failure. If you didn't make it and you had to prove to other people that, oh, I have, um, you had to prove to other people that you have to make it by switching courses. But yeah, I would say not to be too hard on yourself, like give yourself the room to grow and experiment. Mm, perfect. Nice. Under 30 seconds as well. All right. So far, she's got the shortest word. Wanda, go ahead. I would say that this all is a process of building trust in yourself. And so what does that look like in your life to trust yourself as you are making your decisions, you know, decision by decision? How can you affirm yourself? How can you be of support to yourself? How can you build yourself up to begin this, this journey, this walk and give yourself the opportunity to experience true fulfillment. Cause I think that's all what we're after um, to be able to access all of ourselves and put all of the, I call it the magic of our marrow, the very depths of yourself into this thing, this travel and business lifestyle. So building trust and experiencing fulfillment and yeah, do it. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Anna. Kirsten, you're on. Yeah, I'm going to echo a little bit about of what Wanda said, but I think know yourself. I think when, when I look at wellness as a traveler, uh, I find, you know, it's so easy to kind of look for something that is um, prescribed or already been done or, or listen to somebody to, that, that will tell you eat like this, you know, do this, but um, you know, I think educating yourself and then really knowing what you need and learning how to reflect. And I think so many of you have talked about like taking risks and experimenting and coming and going from this lifestyle. And I think it, it's the same in your health and well-being. Um, you know, you experiment and you learn, um, but ultimately, you know, you're your own driver um, of, of your health, of your travels, of your business. And so I think, you know, getting back to like what Wanda said earlier about how you want to feel, uh, really being reflective reflective of your own needs and, and, you know, taking in the information, but then uh, taking that time for kind of self-reflection and, 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 you know, figuring out how things work for you. Awesome. So true. All right, Jason, you're last, give it to us. All right. So when I was 28 years old, I was $50,000 in debt. Um, and there was this moment where I realized that's not going to work. And over four years, I paid off that $50,000. And, you know, the, the difference of seeing life with crippling debt and the other side and the freedom that you can afford yourself and the hard work that goes into that change. Um, one of the sections in my book, the, the section is called get your financial shit straight. And, and that's my suggestion is stop ignoring your finances. If you don't know where your money is going, when it's going there, like just uncover all of the details of it. And then if you're in debt, if you need to, you know, start to change where your money's going or start to change your spending habits to give up some things so that you can have these other freedoms, do those things. But first and foremost, know where your money's coming from and know where it's going down to the details. And it, and it takes a little bit of time to get that. But once you understand that, it's it's maintenance from then on out. And, and I think that's the most liberating thing that you can do. And, you know, 
medical happens, life happens, shit is going to happen and you're going to have financial turmoil, but you, you just got to keep trying to get to that zero point. And that just gives you so much more freedom and, and, and opportunity. Awesome. I don't know if I was to pick a snippet from this, I have no idea what we would pick and put at the beginning of the show, because talk about some wisdom that was just dropped there. And in five minutes, thank you guys so much for being a part of this, for being a part of this project that um, is bigger than any one of us, right? And we've had the really good fortune of having 5,000 people over the years go through the Paradise Pack and getting to hear some of their stories and, and it being the kickstart they need. And it's all because of the people who come together, contribute their zones of genius to the Paradise Pack so that you can get the pack and say, okay, I don't have to struggle as much as Wanda or Jason or Kirsten or Jeremy or Isabel or anyone else who's a contributor. Like they've done some of the hard work for you, right? And they've uncovered some of the stuff that's worked for them. And that's why we love doing this as a collaborative expert because we truly are stronger as, as a group than we are as individuals. So you guys can check it out, theparadisepack.com. Remember, it launches March 29th. So if you go to the website now, get on the email list. That will keep you apprised of everything we're doing. We've got more podcast episodes coming out. We've got a pretty cool giveaway that we'll be doing. we got a lot of fun happening here in March 2020 to really get this momentum going because we believe that this is the perfect time for people to be talking about how they can find this lifestyle freedom, this location-independent lifestyle coming hopefully out of this pandemic and saying, all right, we're reimagining what life looks like. Now take those reins and say, what does life look like? As Wanda was saying, for you, how do you want to feel? And take the tools that we're giving you to make that a reality by getting started. So thank you, Jason and Kirsten and Wanda and Jeremy and Isabel. I feel honored and blessed that all five of you could take some time to hop on here with us and join the podcast. So thank you guys. I'll, uh, I'll take you off on mute. Uh, unmute yourself so we can, we can get out of here. But I just want to say thank you all so much. And um, I, I couldn't have done this without you. And you guys are the reason the Paradise Pack exists. So thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Trav. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.